1029 The Mater presents In the Red Zone with Rob Witham. Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Massey, Wood, and West and by the Sports Page Grill in downtown Ashland. gently falls on the plane on this last day of August. So I, I, I'm trying to look at everything as positively as possible. Uh, riding up here this evening, getting set for our show tonight, I thought, well, field hockey would have been rained out tonight, but of course it would have been made up at some point. And I uh, I don't know about you guys, but hi friends, Rob with them, by the way. Great to have you with us here live in the red zone on 1029 The Mater, 102.9 FM, 1430 AM. Our friends listening online, both at rvasportsnetwork.com and at hanovercountysports.net. And a welcome tonight to our fans listening on the TuneIn Radio app on Radial, R-A-D-I-A-L-L. There are five. Now, in terms of, of dealing with the postponement of high school football season, as well uh, as Randolph making college football, that I, I think I've I haven't gotten to that one yet. Okay, because opening day is was supposed to be this coming Saturday, September fifth. Dickinson College was supposed to be in Yellow Jackets off and running, so we know that's that's not going to happen. They're hoping for some sort of a season in the spring. In what form, we don't know. Will there be playoffs? I, frankly, I doubt it. Um, I, I think at the Division Three level, it would be very, very difficult to make that happen. Um, you know, you're looking at a situation now in Division One uh, at the FBS level where the, the conferences that as of now are still trying to play a season, they're going to be eligible for the college football playoff. But, you know, the Big Ten's now talking about moving up to Thanksgiving to start their season. Well, they certainly wouldn't be done by the end of December, so they could play a season, but then they wouldn't be able to get into, you know, any of the playoff stuff. So I just think it would be way too complicated. And, and the NCAA also has to worry about winter and spring championships, especially spring, since none of them happened for last year. They'd hate to lose them for a second consecutive year but of course all plans it all depends on what happens with the coronavirus it all depends on COVID-19 and and how it's handled and where we are at certain times but last weekend uh, I happened I mentioned this on the show last week doing a lot of YouTubing lately and I stumbled across a live high school football game up I believe it was in Indiana and I watched some of it and it was hard. I- I'm going to be honest with you. It was hard. Sit there and watch that, thinking to myself, we should be playing next Thursday. And so we come to this weekend, and I don't know if any of you watched any of it or not, but ESPN had a few high school football games on. They, of course, are also looking for some alternative programming, and they normally, on that first weekend, try to put some games at the high school level on before they get usually deluged by college football day and night on Saturday at least. And now even on Friday nights. Um, and, and this week when I turned it on, it was on my TV. I, I was past the stage of, I was to the stage of, okay. I, I think I went straight from stage one to stage five 
I, I just accepted and I was like, okay, this, this isn't bothering me anymore. This is, this is what's happening. But I did get analytical and I haven't had a chance to do this yet, but I would really like to know. I was watching Ohio game, two teams from Ohio. Um, Ohio, a little bit bigger in population than Virginia, but there are some similarities as well. And it made me wonder, okay, I wonder what Virginia's coronavirus numbers are in comparison to Ohio, which made Ohio believe that they could go ahead and go forward with a season, whereas Virginia did not. Now, I, I'm not, I'm not pro-con. I'm not doing any of that right now. I'm strictly thinking analytically. You know, what were the factors for Ohio's version of the Virginia High School League, their athletic association statewide, to decide to go ahead and give the green light to the sport with, I'm sure, a ton of different precautions? Um, and, and I don't know. And if I get some spare time over the next week, I'd like to kind of delve into that a little bit to just kind of compare some states that are going forward as opposed to some states such as Virginia and North Carolina. We are two of the 15 in the country that have postponed the season. So we're, we're going to try to do that. And if I get a chance to do that, we'll talk about it more um, next week. But well, watching high school football over the weekend, it didn't it didn't pierce me like it did the weekend before. So I've come to the acceptance stage. Now I got to play that game all over again this weekend when I turn on my TV. And, and I know there's already been a couple of college games, but inevitably I'm going to run into one probably on Saturday. And, you know, I'll think about Randolph-Macon and I'll have to go through all of those emotions again. And, and you know, I'm just the humble announcer. You can't, you can't imagine what it's like to be the head coach, uh, to be the players, to especially be this year's senior class. I'm sure they all had friends who were seniors last year who played in spring sports who saw their seasons wiped out. And now the class of 2021 with fall sports, they're thinking, oh, no, please no. You know, in March, I'm sure they all thought, okay, well, by September, it'll be calmed down and we can get a season in maybe before a second wave in the winter or something. And, of course, we had the summer spike and that changed everything. So there's a lot of emotions to go through while at the same time you're trying to stay prepared because you're hoping here at the high school level that maybe we're going to be practicing in February. February 4th is the proposed date right now. And you could be playing football before the end of February. And we may actually have state championships come the 1st of May. So with all of that having now come out, and we went in, at, um, in depth into those championships plus one schedules last week on the show, and they're currently posted at rvasportsnetwork.com in case you missed it. I want to take some time to talk to somebody right on the front line about all of the things that have been happening in the last few weeks. Coming up in just a moment, we will talk live with Patrick Henry head football coach Ken Wakefield, who has been kind enough to join us this evening. Talk about a little bit about last year because there was a huge amount of momentum gained from that first season under Wakefield. And then how you still keep that momentum alive, even though the the skids, the brakes were put on getting ready for first game, which for Patrick Henry should have been over last weekend. So we'll talk to him about that later in the hour. The appeals process in the Virginia High School League specifically for Region 4B, is underway. We'll tell you a little bit more about what's going on and what they proposed and the pros and the cons of that proposition. And we learned the sad news as we awakened this morning of the loss of a giant, literally and figuratively, in college basketball. My personal memories of John Thompson go all the way back to the late 1970s, and I'll tell you that story later this hour as well. Coach Wakefield, on the other side of this break, we're back in a moment. You are in the red zone. In the red zone. We'll take a short time out. We'll be right back. So stay tuned to the Mater. 
When you need printing, you usually need it yesterday. We Think in Ink can't work that quickly, but close. Let Chuck Stottenmeyer and the folks at We Think in Ink take your printing project and help make your message stand out. We Think in Ink offers quick turnaround and printing you'll be proud to use. Visit We Think in Ink in Ashland right next to the post office at 305 England Street. Let them suggest ideas for your business cards, letterhead, brochures, or business forms. We Think in Ink in Ashland. There's never been a more important time to make sure the air in your home is clean as well as comfortable. Massey Wood and West, serving Virginia since 1923, is ready to help. Massey Wood and West offers quality cleaning services for your HVAC units and can make sure it's ready for the heat of the summer to come. Massey Wood and West proudly offers Rheem heating and cooling systems. And if it's time to replace that HVAC unit, now is the perfect time to do so. The friendly staff at Massey Wood and West always look Massey Wood and West can handle that too. Plus, Massey Wood and West is proud to offer Ream water heaters. So call 355-1721. Ask for Doug or Al. They'll be glad to help you get ready. 355-1721. Massey Wood and West. Online at MasseyWoodandWest.com. That's MasseyWoodandWest.com. Millions plan for retirement online. Estimate your future benefits, apply for retirement, and manage your benefits all from the comfort of your home. And give yourself the freedom to do what you want offline. Social Security's online services help put you in control with secure access to your information anytime, anywhere, allowing you to spend more time with family, friends, or simply just enjoying the day. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. U.S. taxpayer expense. Back live here on In the Red Zone on this Monday evening, 1029 The Mater. Fans listening on the TuneIn Radio app on Radio All and also online at both RBASportsNetwork.com and Hanover County Sports.net. Well, this time one year ago, Patrick Henry football was one game into the Ken Wakefield era. And what a wild first game that was. One of the best opening nights we've had in our almost two decade history of high school football here on the Mater. A 42 34 shootout win over Osborne. Uh, saved with a big defensive stop on the last play of the game as Osborne was in the red zone trying to tie the game. They needed to score a touchdown and convert the two-pointer. But the Patriots prevailed 42-34, and little did we know everything that was going to come up in the next three-plus months in what ended up being a phenomenal season for the Patriots and hopes high for 2020, even though there were some significant graduations, there were significant players coming back. And then here comes COVID-19. So how do you keep momentum fresh, if that's possible, after such a great season to hopefully now get ready for February and beyond? Well, we've asked head coach Ken Wakefield and Patrick Henry to join us here live tonight on In the Red Zone, and he has graciously agreed to do that. Coach Wakefield, great to hear from you. As always, my friend, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm, do- was- I'm doing the best I can under the circumstances, but again, I'm just the announcer guy. I, you're the head coach. The, the bigger question is, how are you handling all this? I'm uh, hanging in there. I was right with you this weekend. I think I spent the whole day Saturday watching some of those football games and wishing uh, we could have been out there playing as well. Yeah, no doubt. I, I, I was ready and w- w- just couldn't wait to get in the car and head to Manassas for opening night. and. 
but here we are in this circumstance. Let me let me take you back to when things kind of unraveled in March, and you watched your fellow head coaches there at the School of Spring Sport Variety um, kind of have to come to grips with right before the first game of the season, their season being completely ripped from underneath them. Um, did you at that point do anything whatsoever in terms of thinking how this is going to affect you in the fall? Or did it take a little bit of time to just kind of find out some additional information and begin to wonder what the future might look like? Um, I definitely thought about it as far as it, that it, it could possibly affect us uh, early on, especially when everybody really didn't know, um, you know, how long everybody would be out for. Are we closing school for a couple weeks that we closed it for the rest of the year and then when they announced that it was going to be closed for the rest of the year then it, it you know it definitely hit home in regards to uh boy we're really gonna have to take a look at um things and, and the schedule and how we go about doing things and and what adjustments that need to be made going going forward how did the kids handle it at first Take me back there to, to March when school was, you did you mentioned correctly, school was going to be closed a couple of weeks. They were hoping they'd reopen after spring break, and then we all know what happened from there. Uh, how were the early days with the players? It, um, they were really good. We were having, um, the kids were super excited coming off the year that we had, going into the, you know, going to the weight room. So we had uh, great numbers in the weight room. Um, then we had a variety of other kids, you know, playing other sports out there, and I really enjoy that time. I enjoy that time seeing not only working with our kids, but then seeing them transition to other sports and seeing them compete. And so it was really disappointing that they they didn't have that opportunity to to go out there and and some of those seniors uh, as well. You know, them losing their you know their spring season. So um, things were going really well. The kids um, the kids have really uh, adapted and adjusted. I think pretty well. Uh, for the most part uh, throughout this whole process. But early on, um, just kind of really, I think the big thing for us was just keeping the communication lines open, just checking in on them, um, you know, making sure everything was going good and, and kind of taking it just uh, small steps a couple weeks at a time. Because, uh, I mean, I think it, it probably holds it's fair to say even now that, um, it, you know, next week can look very different than this week. Yeah, uh, You just don't know. So, um you know, kind of just taking it uh, day by day and week by week and kind of go from there. Coach, as we, we got more and more information through the summer with the Virginia High School League and, and they, they had the models and then they made their decision and we knew that there would not be, you know, games played in, in, in the fall, August, September, October, November. Um, at what point were you able to begin to actually have FaceTime with the players rather than only seeing them virtually? Uh, this beginning, uh, um, beginning of August. So for close to a month. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I kind of put out the point last week here on the show that I thought that it was critically important for the kids to get in front of their coaches live, not only from the conditioning standpoint and all of that, but from the psychological standpoint of seeing those people who helped to mold them face to face. Would you agree with that assessment? And is it also good for the coaches to see the players live? Oh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, I know the coaches, you know, during that time, we you know, we did a lot of networking. We did a lot of talking to each other in regards to, um, you know, just bouncing different ideas off um, of how this is going to look and how it's going to play out. Um, so networking, it was great to have that communication line with a bunch of different coaches and, um, 
and using them as, as references and just, like I said, different ideas. But I, I think you're exactly right. All of us were really wanting to just get back in front of our kids. Um, and it wasn't just really about football. It was about getting back in front of them. You know, it's not, it's, you know, we don't get paid a, a million dollars to, to coach football. We do it because we love it. It's a passion. Um, but what we do for the kids is, you know, being around them, being a sports system in any way we can. So, you know, just like your own kids, you miss them. When you don't see them, you miss them. You want to be around them. Um, and we want to do the same. It, it wasn't uh, it wasn't about the X's and O's. It was just seeing that face, um, you know, in person. And a lot goes with that. Uh, so it was it was great. And it's been I've really enjoyed this this last month of getting around them and um, just kind of getting back uh, into into some routine has been has been awesome. And I'm sure therapeutic to a point that it, it happened at a point to where you're coming up on when there should have been the start of the regular season. At least you have the, that situation going on, uh, which helps everybody because you've got you've got that connection. And that's just so important. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, it is. Um, so, Coach, for those listening who don't really understand what you can and what you cannot do right now, take me through the activities that you're able to have with the student athletes and some of the things that you're not able to do right now due to the restrictions because of COVID-19? Um, so each, let me say this first, like each school is very different. Um, we, I know for Hanover, they're all, uh, everybody's on the same page in regards of what we can and what we can't do. Mm-hmm. Um, but some schools are not allowed to touch their students or haven't been engaged with their students face-to-face at all yet. So, um there's a lot of a lot of the uh, the county schools, um, the single county schools. They've you know gotten back together. I think they were the soonest to, um, to be able to have access to the kids. Um, we everything right now for us is all outdoors, mm-hmm. so we can only do things outdoors uh, for the first couple weeks. Um, things were with it wasn't until just last week where we were able to you know use a ball and um, but that's. It's very modified. Like only the, um, you'd have to have like one per person. Let's say hypothetically, like a, the quarterback or just throwing a ball into a net or something along those lines. They could do that, but they'd have to be the same person to touch the ball again. again they couldn't. Yeah. They couldn't transition between another person. Um, so it was a lot of uh, like agility work. A lot of just overall. Um, some just overall fitness development because again you can assume you know kids are when you they get come back they're not going to be at the same point they left off no uh, in regards to the conditioning standpoint so we we've worked on some conditioning things but um we do a lot of things in, in phases in regards to our conditioning program so knowing where we are at this point in season we're just kind of working on getting them you know, back into shape, a little bit of running shape, but not pushing, you know, too hard, but um, just getting them, you know, getting them back into things. Um, some football-specific things as far as um, position-specific, but you also have to be very mindful of the social distancing. Um, you know, the kids have to be, uh, you know, when in close proximity, they got to be wearing a mask, and they have to, be, you know, be doing all, following all those guidelines. Um, so, 
it's it's it is different, and uh, the kids have been really good about it in regards to, um, you know, adapting to the change. Uh, we talked prior to meeting in regards to, hey, what is this going to look like? And um, but for the most part, they've done they've done a really good job with it. Um, so again, it's not um, it's not what we're used to, but we're adjusting. You, you take advantage of what opportunities you have and make the most of them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, what else can you do? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a strange new world, no doubt about that. Ken Wakefield, head football coach of Patrick Henry, joining us here in the Red Zone. So, Coach, um, <clears throat> there was some news here over the last several weeks, and this would have happened, COVID or no COVID, every two years the, uh, the VHSL makes their shifts and adjustments with the regions and whatnot uh, because of, A, enrollment changes and shifts, and, B, you know, usually Loudoun County is good for a new school every two years, so, you yeah. know, they got to squeeze them in somewhere. And, and I think the biggest thing that jumped out when the proposals came out a few weeks ago was you look at your region class four region b and suddenly it it had jumped into it looked like everybody wanted to be in it there there are currently 21 teams in the proposed region now we were going to talk a little bit later in the show about the region uh, making an appeal to that and the vhsl is going to hear that appeal in september Uh, what were your thoughts when you you saw this at first and and went how in the world is this going to work yeah uh, that that was probably my initial thought um, with so many teams, and not to mention just so many teams, so many talented teams. Yes. Um, I mean, you talk about uh, the Vrinas of the world coming down, you know, the, the Atleys. Uh, and Ryko. Ryko. Yeah. You know, those schools, um, you know, a, a couple of them I was very familiar with because we played, some of them not so familiar with, but then, yeah, I, I was... Um, I was on the phone with my AD a lot there, and I was like, well, what are they, you know, in, in their discussions, what was going on um, and, and the way different things. And I, I think um, they're trying to figure everything out as to what that's going to look like. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it just kind of a big question mark. Um, we're, uh, I, I think it will be interesting to see how it all unfolds. Uh, but we welcome um, I'm a big proponent of competition, mm-hmm. um, and I think competition gets you better. And that's one thing that was definitely added uh, to the, the 4B, um, regardless of how it unfolds. There's definitely a, a good amount of competition down there. So I think whatever direction they go, you know, they'll figure it out. Um, hopefully, um, you know, sooner than later, so everybody has a little bit of of clarity of what that's going to look like, uh, especially given the um, the uncertainty of everything going on with just, uh, you know, the upcoming season. Right. And for everyone to know, these changes, once approved by the executive committee in September, will take effect August of 2021. So yep. they won't affect anything that happens this school year, which includes, hopefully, uh, February 4th first practice and games as early as very late February and into early March. Uh, I, I know spring football is not something that you're used to, Coach, but um, <laughs> I don't think you, it would take much time for you to get used to a cold opening day and a hot championship game, huh? Yeah, I've been very fortunate. I think um, I bounced around a little bit in my coaching career. So I started my career off in Buffalo, New York. So it's going to feel kind of right at home 
uh, probably when we initially start the season. Uh, so that will be that will be a little bit different. Um, and I, I do think that it will be very interesting to see um, how teams maybe adjust. I, I think the game will definitely be different based off of the weather. I think yep. uh, some teams that like to um, spread the ball around a little bit more will be probably maybe uh, more ball control and things like that in regards to just how they're going to handle it. You know, wet ball conditions, you just don't know. Um, and for the most part, uh, last year, I don't, outside of a couple little sprinkles here and there, we didn't have any snow. But uh, no. The, with the way things are going, I wouldn't be surprised on uh, you know February fourth if we get a good amount of snow and that uh, it kicks the season off kind of the way it, uh, it started it, it, with a little bit of uh, you know uncertainty. So um, yeah, I think we're just going to have to adjust. But us as a staff, we've definitely been talking about well, the, how does that change things and 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 where do we have to uh, how do, how are we going to have to adjust to do that? Yeah, people don't don't think about that, but you reverse the season in terms of of the weather conditions, and it does play into, uh, you know, the the plans you have for the team, the goals that you have to get to those plans, and, and yeah. yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a brave new world, and I, you know, fingers crossed, we get that started in February, no doubt. Yeah. Let me get one more question in before I let you go, Coach, and, and get you to wax poetic a bit. Yeah, you're you're in now your full second season there. Yes, it's on pause, but. Just forget about COVID-19 for a moment. Uh, take yourself back to when you accepted the job at Patrick Henry and the journey that you've had, which has been very eventful in a very short amount of time, uh, and, and tell me how how much you have appreciated and enjoyed right now where you are with the Patriot program. Well, I, I don't think I could have ever anticipated being uh, just so, you know, grateful for an opportunity and for it to turn out the way it has. Um, not only is, is the school great, the community is great. Um, I actually just recently, uh, myself and my family just moved like two minutes away from the high school. Uh, so that's a huge, uh, huge benefit. Awesome. Um, we just did that during uh, everything going on, so that's <laughs> been a nice little transition. Um, but the community's been outstanding. Uh, I, I really enjoy my... Um, the school, I enjoy the kids greatly, um, and I think that's the administration has been, you know, phenomenal. Uh, and the kids, just every day, they're just they're adapting, they're adjusting, um, and and that's great to be working with. Uh, just such a great group of young men. Um, you know, we have a we have a good staff, so I don't think I think it, when the, when we had such a great season last year at a certain point in time when you get to game 14 or you're getting in those playoffs mm. it's really hard to uh, you know reflect and just say oh I really enjoy the moment uh, but this kind of gave us an opportunity to kind of look back and really enjoy that time of, of you know I'm sitting here in my office and I'm looking at articles of hey the big game versus Louisa or you know the big uh, a couple of big wins that we had throughout the year and just say, wow, you know, a lot was accomplished in, in year one. And um, just so the, in really talking to the kids and reflecting to the kids via Zoom meetings, via in person of saying, you know, there is, we, we set a level of expectation here now at Patrick Henry that we don't want to be just 
one time. We don't want it to be just a, a one-season, uh, one-and-done type of thing. So uh, we're creating that culture, um, and I think we used a lot of this time really wisely. I mean, when I came in last year, I was only there for a couple months yep. before we got started. So this time we spent a lot of time just getting used to and adjusting and and we actually watched probably every game back and just say, hey, what, how can we learn and how can we get better? So, um, But overall, to answer your question, it's been fantastic. And I'm, I'm just um, real grateful for the opportunity to be, to be in this position. And, um, you know, I get to talk like to guys like yourself on a consistent basis, and, and that's, that's always a joy anytime I get to talk football. So overall, it's been great. Yes, it's been fun to actually look ahead for once and talk some X's and O's and some strategy as opposed to just simply looking back. And, you know, Coach, obviously most people know I am a a graduate of Patrick Henry. My first year there was Ray Long's first year as head varsity football coach. So I know that there is a tradition there, and I know that there is always talent there, and you certainly uh, mind it for everything you could uh, last year, and I'm looking forward hopefully come February to see what happens again as this chapter continues to be written. Ken Wakefield, thank you so much, my friend, for joining us here tonight in the Red Zone. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. We'll talk again soon. How's that sound? Sounds great. Awesome. Ken Wakefield, head coach, Patrick Henry, and yes, oh, I can't wait to talk some X's and O's even more as hopefully we get closer to a very unique 2020 season early in 2021. Now, we referenced that Class 4 Region B conundrum. We'll talk about that when we come back. And I'll have some thoughts on the late John Thompson, the great Georgetown head basketball coach who we lost early this morning at the age of 78. That's all coming up next as we continue live here on the Mater and on the RBA Sports Network. We'll be back with more in the Red Zone. We'll be back with more from the Red Zone after these messages. There's never been a more important time to make sure the air in your home is clean as well as comfortable. Massey Wood and West, serving Virginia since 1923, is ready to help. Massey Wood and West offers quality cleaning services for your HVAC units and can make sure it's ready for the heat of the summer to come. Massey Wood and West proudly offers Rheem heating and cooling systems. And if it's time to replace that HVAC unit, now is the perfect time to do so. The friendly staff at Massey Wood and West always looks out for your well-being and is working under all CDC guidelines. Need a new duct system? Massey Wood and West can handle that too. Plus, Massey Wood and West is proud to offer Ream water heaters. So call 355-1721. Ask for Doug or Al. They'll be glad to help you get ready. 355-1721. Massey Wood and West. Online at MasseyWoodandWest.com. That's MasseyWoodandWest.com. I can't get my computer to work. Let me help you with that. How'd you do that? I just got techie with Geeks On Site. Our geeks literally come on site. No need to stop what you're doing or block off time. We come to your home, office, or wherever you are. And we don't just fix whatever computer issues you might be having. We explain and teach you along the way so you can feel empowered and then help others at home or in your office. Better yet, don't have time for tech support to come to you? Let us remote into your desktop or laptop, and one of our geeks will instantly walk you through. We offer affordable prices on our remote services and IT support. You and those in your office will never have to wait hours to have your technical questions answered. Get your free computer diagnosis today with your very own geek. 
Get started now and we'll help you instantly. Call 877-801-0746. 877-801-0746. That's 877-801-0746. Third floor study hall. My dining room table. Homeroom Monday and Tuesday. My living room Wednesday to Friday. Wherever school happens for you this year, Staples has amazing prices on everything you need. From lap desks to computers, desk chairs to UV sanitizers. This week at Staples, a two-pack of Elmer's glue sticks, a 24-pack of Crayola crayons, and comp books are just 50 cents each. Shop in-store, pick up curbside, or order online. School on, save on. Staples. Ends 9-5. While supplies last. Limit 30. Limits vary online. Curbside available in most stores. Liberty Mutual Insurance Company presents and Doug. Fasten your seatbelts, folks. We'll be prepared for takeoff. Limu, how cool is this? Your first time flying. Oh, I didn't mean. Listen, Limu, you might not be able to fly, but you do something even cooler. You tell strangers that Liberty Mutual customizes their car insurance so they only pay for what they need. Sir, do you have a certificate for your service bird? Liberty, 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 Liberty. Get a customized quote at LibertyMutual.com. They might be listening in down uh, down south. Let me send a quick 35th anniversary, happy anniversary shout out to my brother and sister-in-law uh, who got married 35 years ago last night in Four Oaks, North Carolina. That was a wild weekend for me because that was on a Friday night. My dad and I went down on Thursday for the rehearsal and then my brother and I spent that afternoon at an arcade playing a, a whole bunch of games including air hockey and then we look, kind of looked at each other and said well the wedding's in an hour so we i, we, I guess we better head over there <laughs> and we got there in plenty of time everything was cool and i was honored to be his best man and now we fast forward i could by the way i came home the next day packed my stuff and moved to college the following day crazy weekend as i said um and now zip fast forward 35 years later so we um we couldn't get down to to celebrate with him i haven't seen him in over a year stupid covid uh, but we did um send him a celebratory uh gift of uh, a cake courtesy of a local grocery store of which we will not get free advertising for but i will tell you they did give us the possibility of doing not just a sheet cake calvin but we did it in the shape of the number 35 it was so cool half the cake was the three the other half was the five and my daughter's sitting here in the studio just working on some master's degree stuff and i asked her during the break does she think there's any cake left down there because it's a pretty big gang they've got uh with my um my niece and her husband and and all the kids there and uh rachel seems to think there might be a little bit of cake left over i don't know if they can mail us a piece and see if we could see how good it was it may not be ready or or good at that point but happy 35 uh, to my brother and my sister-in-law. Well, I woke up this morning and, and my routine when I wake up is I check my messages followed by Gmail, followed by Facebook, followed by Twitter. So I can see, for the most part, any breaking news or, or messages going on and projects that I have going on and whatnot and, and news that we need to pass along to you you know, on our social media channels. And that's how I learned from our, our partners over at our good friends at ESP in Richmond. Uh, Bob Black and company love those guys. Bob was on the show last year. It's one of the best shows we've had in our two years here on the air. Um, and they had broken the news that early this morning, we lost the great John Thompson, a longtime head basketball coach at Georgetown University at the age of 78. Now, John served as head coach there from 1972 to 1999. 
And I want to tell you a story that that involves me. Um, and, and it has, I've never met John Thompson. We've never, we never crossed paths or anything like that. But let me take you back, especially if you're listening and you're under, say, 40 years of age. I'm going to take you back to a time that you don't understand. Because if you're under 40, then by the time you got to be 6, 8, 10 years old, you probably at least had 30 channels at home, unless you grew up way out in the boonies. Um, simply because by then cable had pretty much proliferated around. Whereas when I was a young kid and when Calvin was a young lad, you know, we had four channels. We had ABC and CBS and NBC and, and PBS. And that was it. And, but I had, a, I had an advantage on a lot of my friends because I grew up in Beaverdam. Yay, Beaverdam. And I'm very proud of that fact, I might add. And we had this large television antenna that we had hooked up to, we were able to hook it up to both the television in the living room and the black and white TV in my bedroom, which by the way, I didn't get until I was 11 years old. Okay. So that, that was a treat to have a TV in your bedroom. Uh, my brother and I shared a room until he moved out and we had a TV for a little while there and then he left and then I, I got one. So it's black and white. And you could flip our antenna 180 degrees. And if you did that, you could, from Beaverdam, if the atmospheric conditions were pretty good, pick up some stations out of Washington, D.C. So I can't tell you how many summer mornings I started my day watching the Flintstones at 8 o'clock on Channel 5 out of Washington, D.C. I'd get up early and go out and turn the antenna and, and watch to my heart's content. I would also do it in the late 70s, occasionally on a weeknight, much to the consternation of my dad and stepmom, because it did affect Richmond signals. And uh, also on Saturday night, because that same television station, they're known as Fox 5 now, back then they were an independent station because there was no Fox broadcast network in 1978. Uh, But they were in D.C., and of course, D.C. is the home of Georgetown University, and that television station would produce Georgetown University basketball games. Now, we live in an age where when we have a regular college basketball season, there's 12 games on seemingly every night. I mean, they're everywhere. There's nothing special about watching a college basketball game anymore compared to the way it was when I was a kid. And you can argue that point with me until we're both blue in the face, but I'll never come off that point. I lived in an era to where you went to school and if it was a Wednesday in January or February and you're on the bus on the way home and you or your friend or someone in your group remembered, oh, that's right. There's a game on tonight. Uh, You know, the, the old ACC package were occasionally on a Wednesday night. Channel 12, our buddies over at NBC 12 would preempt whatever was on NBC and the great people at C.D. Chesley who brought you ACC basketball with Jim Thacker and Billy Packer, they'd come on and you could watch Wake Forest in North Carolina or Maryland, Virginia or Virginia NC State. And and so several times a year, you got the added bonus. You saw a game, maybe two on the weekend. But man, you might see Ralph Sampson go up against Michael Jordan on a Wednesday night or a Thursday night. And that was must-see TV back in those days and it was in the infancy of cable so espn was starting to get traction and they used college basketball to get that traction that's for sure um 
But that was a big event, a huge event. So imagine my glee when I one time on a Saturday night flipped over and did the antenna, and there's Georgetown University basketball. Now, this is before the start of the Big East Conference. Okay, most of you affiliate and, and, and think about Georgetown and you think Big East basketball. And that's very, very true. But in 1978, when Sleepy Floyd was an incoming freshman, fall 78, spring to winter of 79, they were in the old ECAC. And they were still playing their games on campus at McDonough Arena. Their women's basketball team still plays at McDonough. McDonough's still open for business there on campus. Obviously, with the Big East explosion in the 1980s, uh, Georgetown's men moved to the Capitol Center, and now they play on the same surface as the Washington Wizards uh, there up in D.C. Uh, But I I can remember distinctively watching Georgetown basketball with John Thompson on the sidelines and Eric Sleepy Floyd and company. This is pre-Patrick Ewing you know, running the show as point guard back in the late 70s, and I loved watching them play. So Georgetown kind of became my de facto non-ACC favorite team. So the Big East is formed in 1979. Georgetown is a part of it, and it explodes onto the national scene. And there are many reasons for it. There was a, a, a great yet self-serving 30 for 30 documentary several years ago when the Big East as we knew it came to an end when the remaining founding fathers of sorts uh, that were football schools too went off on their separate ways and left the basketball schools to themselves and you know there was no more Georgetown Syracuse for example no more Villanova Syracuse Boston College had gone to the ACC Syracuse went to etc etc and there were some teams that had no business in the Big East and the Big East by them like Marquette and DePaul they made no difference Chicago and Milwaukee aren't the Big East but that's another story for another day that era is long gone too but one good part about that particular documentary is that they talked about how the coaches that were in place in the Big East Conference in those first, say, three to five years made a huge difference as to how big the Big East became so quickly. Okay? Uh, the first great rivalry of that conference was one that was already going on in the ECAC and it just exploded in the Big East, and that's Georgetown Syracuse. Uh, you know, you got uh, Pearl Washington on one side and Patrick Ewing on the other side. And as the years went on, it was crazy. Villanova was a big rival. St. John's, the Chris Mullen era. And for those of you who are historians, you know that 35 years ago, the 1985 Final Four, three of the four teams there were from the Big East. And considering the fact that the conference didn't exist six years prior, that was not only a monumental accomplishment, it was a shocking accomplishment but it was a testament to the programs and to the men who led them raleigh massimino at villanova louis carnesecca at st john's jim Beheim still at syracuse Uh, but if you ask me after learning of thompson's death earlier today i'm thinking about the formulative years of the big east because i saw a lot of big east basketball on monday nights in the early 80s on channel 5 in washington as well when they picked up that uh, syndicated package and there was just no one like john thompson on the sidelines at georgetown university Uh, he had he was 611 so first he was a towering figure okay number one number two he was at that point the most well-known african-american basketball coach in college basketball 
And the thing about John Thompson was he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna mince words. He he wasn't going to. I don't. I hate to use the term "be politically correct." Um, I prefer to use the term. If you wanted a, 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 an answer from John Thompson and you offered him a question, he was going to give you an honest answer, and you better be ready for it. And so when he recruits Patrick Ewing from Boston to Georgetown, you know, in his freshman year, that's when Georgetown makes it to the Final Four for the first time in 1982. They almost made it two years prior in the Eric Floyd group. That was kind of Floyd's team, and then Ewing came in fall of 81, and it was Ewing's team for four years. And in those four years, they made it to the Final Four three times. They made it to the championship game three times, and they won the championship in 1984. Yes, in 82, they had a chance to win the game, and yes, Freddie Brown got confused. And and you got to remember, that was the first Final Four ever played in a dome, okay? And for those of you who think, well, they play them in the dome all the time now. Yeah, they do all the time now. But in 1982, that had never been done before. The only other thing I could think of is when um, UCLA and Houston, back in 1968, had a big regular season game, back when Elvin Hayes was the king of Houston, and they upset UCLA and ended a long losing streak for Lou Alcindor and the Bruins. That game was played in the Astrodome in Houston because of so much interest, and they were able to sell so many tickets. They couldn't play it in a normal basketball arena. And so, finally, I don't know why it took them 14 years, but at some point, once Bird Magic in 79, I think, kind of hit the accelerator for the, for the, the NCAA tournament, because it was not the big deal that it is today back in the 1970s. It was an event, but it was a minor event on the calendar. It was not a major event. It was not televised every game, every channel, all of that sort of thing. Um, they, they put it in a dome. And so you've got kids playing that game that night, that had never played a game in that atmosphere before. And and I'm sorry, I could see where Freddie Brown would turn and look and think that that's his teammate right beside him. Time's running out. There's like eight, seven seconds to go. They got to get a shot off down by one. He doesn't realize that James Worthy had come out that far. I think ostensibly, if you go back and look at the film, he might've been caught flat-footed defensively, to be honest with you. And then of course, Freddie threw the errant pass and Worthy got it. And he dribbled almost all the clock out and, and North Carolina held on to win that title game but Georgetown redeemed themselves two years later and then of course lost in the 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 big upset to Villanova there in that final where we talked about a few minutes ago three of the four teams in the final four were from the big east and it was the Cinderella team Villanova that actually got the win over the team that everyone expected to win and that was Georgetown 66 to 64 but I, I was also thinking this morning after learning of Thompson's passing what John Thompson said after winning the national title beating Houston in Seattle in 1984 And a reporter asked the inevitable question, you're the first African-American coach to win the national championship. You know, how does that feel or what does that mean to you? And and not trying to directly quote him here, but give you an idea of what he said. He was like, well, I'm I'm not as uh, concerned or uh, about that particular point as I am. He said, we need to talk about the fact that we're the first Northern team to win the championship. And I think he said a quarter century or so. He was thinking about, the 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 power of the Big East Conference by then and how proud he was that a team from the Northeastern Quadrant from D.C. up to Maine had finally won the championship. But he was also saying with that answer, I want to see a day come when an African-American coach on the sideline winning a national championship is no big deal. It's regular. It's normal. 
uh, he understood the power of his his pulpit, so to speak, on issues of race and did a phenomenal job with it. Okay, but at the same time, had a really good way of helping you understand that if you want to get past all of that, the eventual goal needs to be a colorblind society where we just we don't look at things like that anymore because anybody can win and everybody has the equal opportunity to do so. That's what he was always pushing for. And he knew that there was a lot of knock on his team because of the way they played. They were a physical basketball team. Uh, They were an aggressive basketball team, but he had the players to do that. And that was the style that was best for his players. And some people didn't like it. And some people made some, let's just say at, at, at best, um, queries into you know saying things like you know you're, you're playing a, a thuggish type of basketball and he wouldn't have that and there were people i remember specifically a couple of games where they would go on the road in the big east and there were um some really horrible derogatory signs made by students or fans at the arena about patrick ewing and on more than one occasion thompson took his team and took him back to the locker room and said, okay, when, when you get rid of this behavior, we'll come back out and we'll play some basketball. But he wasn't going to put up with that for his kids whatsoever. He could take care of himself. He knew that. He was his own man, and at 6'11", there would be few to challenge him. But he wasn't going to let his 18- to 22-year-old kids suffer through that because of the ignorance of others. John Thompson was ahead of his time. The Big East became the Big East for a lot of reasons, but I don't think the Big East would have gotten as far as it did, as fast as it did, if John Thompson were not at Georgetown. To me, he was the straw that stirred that conference. Jim Beheim at Syracuse, still there, legendary coach, but not that larger-than-life personality. Raleigh Massimino, yeah, a kind of a larger of life personality, but more along the lines of, of who he was. And, and But John Thompson, when he spoke, that he was the type of person where if he walked into a room, everybody sat down and shut up. Now, I, I've been at a Bayheim press conference, and that wasn't the case all the time. Massimino all the time. Carnesecca, uh, uh, you know, uh, just a wonderful man, great guy, great coach. And that wasn't because John Thompson was 6'11". It wasn't because he was African-American. It was because John Thompson was a game changer in the world of college basketball. When he left coaching in 1999 and spent the last two decades courtside calling games for Westwood One and other radio outlets throughout the years, uh, his presence was still felt. His advice was still solicited on many, many, many occasions. And John would tell you how he felt. Uh, We have lost a great one, a giant, literally and figuratively, in college basketball. And uh, I just want to say, as the 12-year-old kid who used to sit and watch the games from McDonough Arena back in the old ACAC days, thank you to John for all of his contributions, not just to college basketball, but to society in general. And thank you for everything that you did for every player that ever walked through Georgetown University in your program for those 27 seasons. We'll come back and wrap up this edition of In the Red Zone and answer the question, what can Class 4 Region B do with 21 teams? Back in a moment. There's more to come right after this short break. 
When you need printing, you usually need it yesterday. We Think in Ink can't work that quickly, but close. Let Chuck Stoudemire and the folks at We Think in Ink take your printing project and help make your message stand out. We Think in Ink offers quick turnaround and printing you'll be proud to use. Visit We Think in Ink in Ashland right next to the post office at 305 England Street. Let them suggest ideas for your business cards, letterhead, brochures, or business forms. We Think in Ink in Ashland. Non-attorney paid spokesperson. Could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Does it seem like the bank has no interest in helping you save your home and you feel like you have nowhere to turn for help? Then we have good news for you. Foreclosure Protection Services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance. That's all they do. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, or been the victim of a predatory loan, it's critical that you call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-600-9969. Their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, Foreclosure Protection Services can help stop the foreclosure process. Call today before it's too late. New laws are in effect that may save your home. Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-600-9969. 800-600-9969. That's 800-600-9969. I just came across a great tweet that was uh, sent out by North Carolina Basketball a couple of hours ago, quoting from Roy Williams, who was an assistant coach to Dean Smith the night of that 1982 National Championship game we referenced a moment ago. Quote, he was truly a great man who just happened to be a basketball coach and a great one at that, end quote. And that's about as good as it can be put on the life and the incredible legacy of John Thompson. Hey, want to thank our friends at Massey Wood and West and our friends at We Think and Inc. for sponsoring In the Red Zone each week here on The Mater. Uh, we're turning the calendar to September tomorrow. It's not too early to think about making sure that your home is heated well for the winter to come. Or maybe you've been thinking about replacing that water heater. Ream and Massey Wood and West can take care of business for you, whether it's a new water heater, a tankless water heater, a new HVAC system before winter gets going, or just repair the one that you have. 355-1721, MasseyWoodandWest.com. And we think in Inc., lots of nonprofits are trying to find out new and different ways as school returns next week. Uh, PTAs, PTOs, uh, booster clubs, athletic associations to get word out on things and if you need anything printed you need banners uh, you need things from a virtual standpoint get in touch with chuck and the gang at we think in ink in ashland right there on england street we think in ink.com so the virginia high school league announced today that they are postponing their appeals session for the uh, uh, mid-cycle alignment later into uh, well actually they postponed the meeting about the championship format uh, later in September, because there's been a lot of feedback about that championships plus one format that we talked about at length last week here on the show, and they want to have extra time to have more in-depth conversations about it. But also in September, they've got to figure out and approve this alignment situation, and I referenced it with Coach Wakefield. In Class 4, there are four regions, just like every other class. But get this, Region A down east has 13 teams. Region C up north has 16, Region D out west has 8, and Region B in the Metro Richmond area and a bit north and south has 21 teams. Now, how can it be fair that you have one region with 21 schools trying to get into the playoffs and another region with only 8? 
So class four region B has collectively appealed this call saying that they want class four to be broken into eight regions rather than four. The pros to that is that they can be more even. The cons to that is that there's little work in terms of a postseason race in sports, A, and B, there are going to be some schools that have to travel. And the minute the Virginia High School League tells a Dinwiddie they've got to start going out to Salem and Pulaski and Halifax and George Washington, Dinwiddie County Public Schools are going to go, you're kidding me, right? Are you going to pay for all of these trips? So it's a conundrum that Class 4 has. And I'm not so sure that moving a couple of these schools up back to Class 5 wouldn't be a possible solution. But right now in Region 4B, you've got now Atlee moving in, Henrico, Matoica, Verina, and Western Albemarle joining Caroline, Chancellor, Cortland, Dinwiddie, Eastern View, George with Hanover, Huguenot, King George, the former Lee Davis, Louisa, Monacan, Orange, Patrick Henry, Powhatan, and Spotsylvania. I mean, you couldn't even play all of them in a regular season in most sports because you only get 20 games in, like, baseball and softball. That's crazy. So we'll be keeping our eyes on how that ends up as the weeks progress. Thanks for being with us here, folks. We'll be back Labor Day next Monday night. We will have a show. Hope you'll join us here in the Red Zone. Rob with them saying have a great night, everybody. In the Red Zone with Rob Witham is a production of WHAN Radio. Our producer is Calvin Cecil. Executive producer is William Roberts. In the Red Zone with Rob Witham is a copyright production of Fifth Estate Broadcasting, LLC. Any rebroadcast or reproduction in part or in whole without the express written consent of Fifth Estate Broadcasting, LLC is strictly prohibited.